0: Our- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we'll see next week. I mean, no, I'm
1: kidding. I'm kidding. We're going we're to talk about it. We're going to talk about it.
0: <laughs> what is it? What could you mean, Johnny?
1: That's right the uh, the ohio state men's basketball team uh did the thing they did the thing that we wanted oh, they them did to several do. things well they did they did multiple things this weekend and it wasn't it wasn't one thing that everybody wanted to happen which was of course um you know uh them firing chris holtman and by them i mean gene smith who apparently was broken up about it but i don't who
0: know. could have seen it coming well
1: and th- okay before we get into all the particulars on this, I do want to point something out specifically, okay? There was also reporting, I think from the athletic uh, that Chris Holtman was uh, blindsided by this uh, by this firing. And, and look, I understand that it's it's a little unusual to be doing it at this point in time during the season, right? Like that's kind of like not, it's not typical. but what I find really weird, is that he somehow couldn't believe that it could have happened to him and maybe maybe he was listening to like Tom Izzo or Coach K who are all kind of saying like, "Oh yeah, 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 man, you're the best, you're the best." It, it's totally cool to. Well, lose that's what you do minutes.
0: when you're in denial of your situation, is you know I you guess. seek sympathy and support from your peers. I
1: guess, and I, the amount of of love that this dude has gotten in the wake of his termination is utterly baffling to me. But we're gonna, we're going to get into why you know I don't think he'll probably get too much more adulation in the press in a second. But yes, Chris Holtman fired. Ohio State had lost nine of eleven leading into that. They. Uh, were not looking like they were going to accomplish anything else for the rest of the season, just utterly hapless towards the end of games, blowing leads. They had blown two 18 point leads in one season against teams. I mean that they, they should be beating frankly uh, when you have that kind of, uh, you know, that cheddar on another team. And um I, not a surprise to me i don't think a surprise to you george i think this is this is the move that had to be made i i expected it to honestly to be made after the season i'm surprised by that but um i don't think anybody's shocked that chris holtman is out and so uh jake diebler steps in and, and we'll talk in a second about what happens in the aftermath of that but um let me just ask you this uh to kind of get you started here were you surprised that Gene, uh, Gene Holtman, that Gene Smith pulled the trigger on Holtman this, at this point in the year, at this point in the season with like five, very, six very
0: surprised up. by Gene Holtman. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, I'm, I, I'm, listen, we've spoken about on previous episodes recently, while we've talked about what the short-term future for this team looks like, that it, it would be an admission of error and guilt for Gene Smith in his Swan song as athletic director to have to fire the guy that he not only originally brought in but also extended. So right. he, Which obviously he did say did he not-
1: regretted, right? He did he didn't yeah. and the aftermath say that was a mistake.
0: He owned it, which good for, good for him. And I think it's going to make the transition to Bjork a little, it's going to, this isn't going to be a, as much of a stain. I don't really consider it a stain on his legacy to begin with, to be honest, but it's going to, you know, for the sake of whatever his own ego or feelings are towards the situation, I think it's definitely going to soften the impact. And it's, it, it's the equivalent of ripping the bandaid off, Mm -hmm. right? Like, this team was rudderless and just kind of there were more narratives where we st- this team's still team still got to win a road game. And we should mention we're <laughs> recording this on Sunday night, by the way. So the emotions right. are very raw in terms of not only Holtman's dismissal, but other recent events surrounding the basketball team that we're going to get to in a minute. But the um, just relative to Gene Smith, I, I, I think that sometimes the most difficult decision It still ends up being the correct one. It was just a matter of, is the person with the authority that's going to be giving that authority up in a handful of months here going to be comfortable enough with that kind of admission? And the fact that he was willing to put the program in front of his own ego is something that I think will reflect very well on him as he prepares to head towards retirement. So I think Gene Smith definitely deserves some credit for making that call you know as, as Holtman would say give Gene Smith credit. You gotta give him credit so right so I I'm very very glad that they went with this I didn't necessarily think that the the impact was going to be felt so resoundingly in the uh, immediate swing of it but you know they had not they did not have a very good showing against Wisconsin even though they were in that game for a few stretches. It was still what their 16th straight road loss yeah. and Wisconsin played a bad game and looked very, very beatable that night.
1: And I think that's what's so frustrating about it. Right. Like that's right. So, I, I mean, just to interject, just real quick, I, I do want to make the quick point that you were kind of making about Gene Smith. I want to underline that a little bit because to the ego sure. thing, um, you know, he's also said that Ross Bjork is going to be taking the lead on this next hiring, which I think is a big deal. And again, that Gene Smith is still in the job. Like, that's his call. He can he can go ahead and override Bjork and say, no, 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 this is my deal. This is what I'm going to do on the way out. Uh, so I think it does speak pretty well to Gene Smith that he's going ahead and, like, like you said, ripping that Band-Aid off and then letting the other guy, you know, have the cachet to make that call. That's, I mean... I think some people might view it as like, oh, well, he's just pushing this off on some other dude. I don't think that's how that works at all. I think that's that's a big deal for him to give um, that kind of authority, that kind of clout and that kind of decision-making to a guy who's not even in the job yet, that that means something. And I think it's, yeah. it, it I mean, we that,
0: spoke dude. about it in recent episodes that the healthiest way to, for this, the transition of power here is to let the guy that is actually going to have to deal with the aftermath of the new hire, right. Hire the guy that he wants, as opposed to working with, you know, some last minute install from Gene Smith. Exactly. So I, I still, even though that had been kind of a little more firmly communicated I th- or it, You got the sense that Gene Smith was going to let Bjork handle that regardless of whatever other feelings were swirling around the situation before Holtman's dismissal. I don't know if you necessarily could have said that would be a precursor to Smith um, putting the program before his ego even further by dismissing Holtman in the middle of the season as they just did, but it it speaks to reasons for optimisms about optimism about the direction of the program for sure so yeah absolutely gene smith deserves credit for and,
1: that and look as far as holtman goes on the way out i mean <laughs> i i think that don't hit of, the door yeah i mean well i mean a lot of people you know are probably celebrating this and you know as as we are like we're certainly not sad about it by any stretch of the imagination i hope he's successful elsewhere but it's it became increasingly clear uh, throughout the last few years of his tenure that he just did not have what it took uh, to manage a program, you know, at the level of Ohio State. I think he can still be a successful basketball coach. I don't think he's some kind of idiot. I mean he can he can coach. But
0: so here so this, hold on. Well here's one let me, just, let me right, finish go ahead. Real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah. I think this is a guy who got into a situation at Ohio State that he was not prepared for. And I think when you hear stuff from him and have heard stuff from him in the past seven seasons where it's like, you know, excuses about the roster or, you know, COVID or all these other things. And it's like, you know, these are things that every other major program has to deal with. And to me that just smacked of a guy who was just in over his head. And, And I think that, you know, if he, if he goes to a smaller school or whatever, I think he can find success, but it's, how do you define success? Like what, what is, Ohio State looking for what is the ceiling that fans want and I don't think Chris Altman just I just don't think he was the guy who would be able to ever deliver that and I, I think that's that's why uh, people are kind of celebrating this a little bit not because he's just this awful person we all hate but because he was never going to get to um, the plateau that I th- or the the level I guess that Ohio State fans expect
0: yeah this awful person that we all hate but you're wishing him success at his next stop. Huh? <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't hate the dude. I don't think he's like some awful human being, but I just don't think he was ever. Well, like here's
0: we're talking about ego relative to Gene Smith. Let's let's compare ego to Chris Holtman and recent. You know, where wh- where did Chris Holtman's ego go when the season started to go south?
1: Right. Well, he and threw he, his
0: players he, under the bus.
1: Right, and that's and that's not something that I think is is particularly i don't think you can explain that away i don't think you can like i don't know want to use the word forgive but i don't think that's something
0: the explanation can... is a good coach doesn't do that right
1: or have to do it i mean that's the thing like when you when you talk about like oh and i've said this multiple times i mean if that's your go-to move to say like our oh, guys aren't tough like they're we're a soft team like okay right. well then you've you're out of moves like you've you have nothing else to do uh, to try to motivate. Yeah, your team. I, I
0: said he lost the team when, I, when he did that, and right. you said that might be going too far. Do you wow. think that was going too far now?
1: I, well, I have no idea. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the inner workings. What happened of the, today? Yeah, but that doesn't mean. <laughs> I mean, again, as great as what happened today was, I can't draw any conclusions from what the inner workings of the locker room was. I don't think anybody can. But I think what we can say is that all things being equal, I think the team is probably at this point better off. Uh, with Jake Diebler right now being the head
0: coach. Here, I, I want to draw another comparison to a coach that I respect very, very much, and that's Tom Thibodeau, who has the Knicks in fourth place in the East right now in the NBA. Oh, yeah. The thing that I loved about Thibodeau when he was head coach of the Chicago Bulls before he was unceremoniously replaced by a guy that Gene Smith wanted to make the basketball coach before Chris Holtman <laughs> yeah. and Fred Hoiberg mm-hmm. was Thibodeau was, went out of his way you know, for as much of a reputation as he had for grinding players like Luol Deng and Joe Kim Noah into stumps and dust and, you know, injury-riddled skeletons of what they used to be, Holtman – would or not Holtman, Thibodeau very, very transparently to his players and the media every time – every time the team – and this isn't college basketball. This is the NBA where the media will – you know, if there's one hair out of place, they'll jump down your throat oh, for Oh, God, you. yeah. He he said, every single problem with this team is on me. So you ask me about what the problems are. You right. do not go to my players and make this their issue. Even when the teams were losing, whether they were winning, regardless of what the level of success was, that guy said... These problems are mine, I own them and we're going to get better by me committing to fixing them. And that's why he's still in the position that he is even after he got fired by the Bulls. Mm-hmm. As far as I can tell, most of the New York Knicks fans love the guy and I don't see why they wouldn't given how many years of misery they had before he got there outside and within this millennium. So, yeah. I you compare that kind of selflessness to the comments that you were getting from Holtman while this team was in a free fall. It's, it's very, very easy for me to look at that. And then particularly again, with what we've been drawing the parallel with Gene Smith in this episode, I, that is not a guy that you can feel good about playing with for multiple years or playing under. And I think the players felt that pressure and the relief of that pressure led to the result that we saw this weekend. I don't think that's a far-fetched conclusion at all. I
1: don't think it's far-fetched. I, I mean, like I said, I just can't, I can't say one way or the other. But I will no, say you're too
0: nice. John.
1: <laughs> I'm not too nice. I just don't want to make any, you know, big pronouncements about something I don't really have any true insight into. Uh, but what Dub w- Cast
0: knows ball. <laughs> uh,
1: but what I will say is what did happen today, uh, where Ohio State took on. The uh, number two ranked Purdue Boilermakers, uh, a team that to that point had only lost two games in the in the entire season, two games in the conference. Um, look, you were playing a team, you know, Ohio State was playing a team, and the Purdue Boilermakers. That I don't know what the line was going into that game, but they had. I can look it up. Yeah, they had just won something like ten games in a row in the Big Ten. Uh, their last loss. Uh, They Nebraska for whatever reason was taking dudes down. I don't know. I mean, it was kind of weird. But it it was January tenth. It was over a month ago that they had lost. They had last lost in the uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, They had been smoking teams left and right. Um,
0: (laughs) Purdue was an eight point favorite today.
1: There you go. And Ohio State goes out there, and it's not like here's the thing that I think is particularly interesting about this game. Right? It's not like Ohio State came out and was dominant from the jump, or they got out in some insane lead or whatever, and they, you know, Ohio State just kind of hung out by the skin of their teeth. Purdue led for large stretches of this game early on. Um, I think Ohio State tied it at one point in the first half, but it was, it was a half in which...
0: They had the lead at halftime.
1: Yeah, well, Ohio State, I think Ohio State... Did Ohio state have they played were, it?
0: they were trailing for a pretty decent amount. And then they had like a nice late run to end okay. the first half. And they went into the locker room up like 35, 30 or something like that. I believe.
1: Okay. So it wasn't, I guess my point then is, is that it, it was a back and forth thing, right? You're playing one of the best teams in the country, Ohio state. They're not shooting well from three. I think they were like 30 some percent from three, like 33 or something like that from three, like seven for, I think it was like seven wasn't for great. 21. It wasn't good. They were Uh, living
0: and dying like they usually do.
1: Yeah, yeah. But the point is is that it's not like they came out and just played way over their heads. They played their normal game. Like they played the way they normally do. uh, And yet they didn't have that X factor kind of hanging over their heads a little bit. They they were more loose. They didn't tighten up down the stretch. Uh, They competed with one of the best teams in the country and they won. And that's, that's what the talent on this team is capable of. They got tons of help from the bench, which is not something that you see all the time from Ohio State. Uh, you know, Opar really struggled in the entire game. Like, it's not like all of these guys were – Mojave was terrible uh, through, like, large stretches of the game. Uh, Rodigale Jr. only had four points. And yet, they beat the second-ranked team in the country. And that's the point. They're capable of that. So there's got to be something where you can tap into that. If you're Jake Diebler, if you're the interim coach here, you can tap into that. And again, I don't think they're going to go out and they're going to win, you know, a bunch of games to close out the season here. I don't think they're going to, you know, go on a run and win the big 10 tournament.
0: One road game would be nice. I
1: just want one road game. And to me, that would be a victory. This is a talented team, but it's it's pretty obvious that they had been held back in a lot of ways. Um, And, I don't know. Again, I don't know how sustainable this all is, but this definitely looked like the team from December instead of the team of the last two months. And it was fun as hell to watch. I mean, they, they were in it the entire time. They didn't pucker. They didn't, you know, get, you know, all, all nervous Nellies towards the end of the game. They did what they needed to do to win and they won and it was great.
0: Well, to your point about this, like really, still kind of being the same team we've watched all season and not like some, they didn't like metamorphosize into this elite team. They just, they were living and dying by the three. I mean, they, they went into the half with the lead and then they came out, battled in the score, any points in the first half and then just started hitting the bottom of the net on everything. Yeah, Like out of the lot, like halftime, they had a double digit lead well into the second half and then, like the, to the point of them being the team that we've seen all season, my immediate thought was, okay, we've we've seen this story before sorry, with these how do they guys, blow it, right? Right, and that was the point I made while we were all watching in Slack together. Is like, it, it, of all the leads for them to keep, if they hold this one, like how funny is that? Right, right. And they did. I mean, they let them equalize in the last minute. I think with you know some ill advised shooting and not letting the clock be their friend enough, mm-hmm. but they they were able to stay in front despite Purdue doing the foul merchant routine. Great. They scored, like Purdue had at one point like before the last like I think two or three minutes, a third of their points in this game came off of free throws. Hmm. And they made oh they made like their first twenty free throws at least. In fact, I they Purdue made all 20, twenty of the free throws they took right. They were twenty like, for twenty from absurd. On absurd. And Ohio State had like five free throws I think the whole game prior to like
1: They had when... five trips. They uh they got they were 10 oh. for 11 though, which is still I Well, mean, no, but great.
0: before the last 2 minutes oh, when Purdue right, had to right. start manipulating the clock, they had only had like five free throw attempts right. I think the whole game. So Purdue was quadrupling them up on attempts. And they and the CBS broadcast made the point that uh, Purdue's one of the best teams in terms of foul differential and and trips to the line in the country. So I mean, especially when they've got, you know, a Leviathan and Edie at center. I mean, that's just going to, you know, it, right. it would make sense for you to play into that. So I you can't I you can't criticize them for it that much, although it's one it's an interesting way to play a basketball game when you're trailing from behind against a team you should presumably be better than, you know, mm-hmm. you might just want to actually Play up to your ability, is it right? Exactly, (laughs) especially if you are going to be doing anything in March. But you know, we know how it goes. Well, they don't want to. They
1: don't want to put that ball in the hands of anybody near Zed Key because Zed Key's just going to steal it, and that's.
0: (laughs) I think Dan said he had like two steals all season before today, and today he had five. (laughs) I know,
1: I really uh, yeah. uh, Right before he said that, I immediately was wanting to look up like how many steals has like Zed actually had the entire year, and he had five against again one of the best teams in the country like that just cracked me up i was like i don't know what said's doing but keep it up home man that was yeah that was sick
0: but it it was truly like it's pretty crazy that they it doesn't even feel like they played up to the highest of their ability today and they still beat the number two team in the country right after firing their head coach right i mean battle didn't score in the first half Gale did not have a good game, I don't think, by any stretch. No. It was mainly the Bruce Thornton show for most of it, and he played 35 of 40 minutes, so they really, really needed him. Both of their big guys got into were in foul trouble for most of the second half, mm-hmm. and it would have been really interesting to see how those last two minutes would have gone if Key had actually fouled out as Okpara did. And Okpara played miserably against Edie. They said they did mention that he's now had 30 straight games with a block, which, you know, is pretty cool. But beyond that... I mean he he was getting pushed around like at will and not getting found for any lobs and their their rebounding today was pretty miserable on both ends it was bad. You know what's wild about Opara?
1: He was that he had the one block. He if he had not gotten that block and not taken two shots, which he missed both of, he would have had a sixteen trillion. (laughs)
0: do you count but do you count fouls in the trillion though no
1: you don't you don't
0: you don't okay i'd always wondered that
1: i don't think so because it's not like it's not a positive you know what i'm saying like you're not impacting the game positively for your team so i don't Yeah, know.
0: but i always thought the trillion like in the classic sense was just supposed to be a guy running around
1: well i guess that's true i, I guess if you're talking about in the classic like um uh, my, Just being
0: out there yeah. and doing nothing but making swing the Mark sense.
1: Yes, correct. Yes, I think that I think you would be right. You, you would have to not have the personal. You foul. can
0: strategically foul.
1: That's true. That's
0: you know, true. if you, it's like when they would send Nazar Muhammad to go fight LeBron James. You know, it's <laughs> like yeah but there's a purpose to what you're doing yeah
1: i guess what i'm saying though is that he spent 16 minutes on the court and got one block and five fouls so not not his best game um and then even i mean you know he was out there for 23 minutes and had two points like that it was really carried by thornton and battle and battle had those you know those free throws down the stretch which were huge um and then the bench and Zed had a great game. Uh, Bonner had a really good game. I mean, it's and when
0: we were gassing up this team in December, the point that I made was that if you have this three player core of Thornton and Gale, because Gale was playing much much better basketball in December oh, than yes. what we saw in the last you know two months, and so you got Gale Thornton. And now battle in the mix, providing, you know, that much shooting support from the four position that they had not had on really any Ohio State team in recent memory. As long as you're getting performances from at least two of those guys, they're going to be able to compete with most teams. And when all three are on, you really got to watch out. They didn't even get a good game from Gale today. They only got one half of a good performance from battle, and they still beat the number two team in the country. This is what the ceiling for this team always should have been. And you have to look at what the most major drastic change was between the last two months of results that we've seen and what they did today and think what was really sabotaging their ceiling this season. I don't know how you can look at all of that and not conclude it was Holtman holding this team and its attitude back. They played with much more carefree, I don't want to say abandoned today, but the stress level looked much further down. There were multiple people that we work with at 11 Warriors that said this team looks like it's playing like they're not as worried about making mistakes. Relative right. to getting, you know, put in a doghouse or criticized by their coach, which I think is one of the reasons why you saw good minutes from Scotty Middleton today, and a lot of other players that we haven't necessarily seen contribute in a winning capacity at any other point in the season. It was a complete about face from the last two months.
1: Yeah, and we're gonna have to see how this uh, carries over into games against you know Minnesota, Michigan State. You got two opportunities to get a win on the road in the Big Ten coming up here in the next week. Um, and then you got God, Minnesota them beating
0: Michigan state after all the apologizing Izzo has done for Holman <laughs> would just be impossibly fun. I
1: would enjoy that quite a bit. Uh, and then frankly, you've got another team, uh, that's, that's really underperformed the season in Michigan and the penultimate game of the season. And you get them at home. I would really love to beat them on the road, but you get them at home and, Taking them out, maybe with a resurgence, Ohio State, I think would be pretty great. I'm not. I think really... I read
0: Michigan is 0 18 against the spread this season, that's, which is truly unbelievable. That's
1: kind of incredible. Um, yeah, so you know, I want to see this continue. I, I don't know how sustainable a performance like this is. I would love to believe that they're going to go out and they've they've got this you know this weight lifted off their shoulders and they're going to go ahead and just beat the crap out of everybody from here on out. I doubt that'll be the case. Um, cause I think, you know, as much as, as talented as I think guys like battle and, and, you know, um, even going down, you know, like Thornton, like these guys are, these are super talented dudes. I just don't know that they're also very super consistent. Um, I do think that they're capable of at least rounding back into a little bit of the form that they saw earlier in the season. And again, is this a, you know, is this a, a March madness team? I don't think so, but who knows? I mean, maybe something crazy happens, and they win a bunch of games, and the you know they close out the season, win four or five, and they win a bunch of games in the you know Big Ten tournament, and they they can't they're,
0: they're going to need to win the Big Ten tournament to make it. I think. Do at you this think that, point. I I don't think that this that. win Actually, is going to put question. them over the top.
1: Let's talk about that real quick, just before we pivot into some football stuff. What do they need to do? Because if they win four out of the next five. Right. Let's say they do the that. general
0: standard is you got to win 20 games. So okay. they would have to win out, I think. And I'm not sure that that's realistic. Well, they're
1: 15 and 11. So if they win four of the next five, that would mean they only have to win like one or t- I mean, like, let's say they even win three out of the next five. Okay. They win a couple games, the big 10 tournament that gets them to 20. Now they look terrible in the big 10 up until this point, but is that enough is, is let's say they get to 20 games. They get, they get 20 wins. They win three out of the last five. They get two games of the big 10 tournament. Do you think that would be enough for the NCAA? Does that ca-
0: Does that count? Like the, okay. I guess, I guess it would. Yeah. If yeah. they, if they, they add that onto the record. Okay. Yeah. Cause
1: I don't um,
0: know. I don't, I mean,
1: I think it's a good question because I don't, I, still I think, think at least one of mine. those would
0: have to be a road win. Cause that's going to be too much of a knock against them. If they're not right. able to kind of, um, finally put that narrative to bed but it, it's I, I don't know like it, i I haven't checked in with them recently but I know the the you know one point that I saw made by I think it was Matt Brown earlier today was that like if you told me like it's crazy that this team beat Alabama and UCLA and West Virginia I haven't checked in on how UCLA and West Virginia have been doing recently but I mean, if, those, if before today those three were your strongest group of wins going into this, I don't know if that's an impressive enough resume for you to get into the tournament. This win definitely changes things a little bit, but they're going to have to show really, really resounding momentum here down the stretch, which is certainly possible. I mean, we just talked about what the ceiling for this team actually should have been, but it's easier said than done, I think, and if they, if they, even if they hit somehow hit twenty wins, but they're not able to get a road win in that stretch, I, I just don't. I that's that's going to be way too much of a of something to be weighed against them for keeping them out. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, but God, it would be so funny to see them match up with Butler in the NCAA tournament.
1: <laughs> it would be really funny. I, I think they imagine have if that to... was one of
0: the play in games.
1: Oh God, that would be. <laughs> That would be, that would be interesting. That would be really interesting. I, you know, I, um, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I think that they have to win. They have to win on the road. They have to win a road game. <laughs> they haven't won a road game in well over a year. They, they have to win a road game in the big 10. It, if they do that. And then they, they get to 20 wins by some combination of the regular season and the big 10 tournament. I think they have a shot. Uh, you know, and then I think what the- they're not going to
0: have a winning conference record either, by the way, unless right. they win out. Correct. So that's that's going to be a big weight against them, too.
1: And I think the other thing that you have to think about is like which other teams in the Big Ten will get in over them, because if you look at it, I mean, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to put 10 teams from the Big Ten and and. March Madness, right? Oh, so, I
0: might. I mean, it would piss a lot of people off, but well, you know, stranger think, things have happened. I think
1: they're trying to avoid that now because of the Big Ten's lack of success in March Madness. And I, I think if you're looking at teams, I mean, even a team like freaking, I don't know, even Nebraska, which has some pretty high profile wins, right? Nebraska, Minnesota, even Iowa. I, I just think Ohio State's got to do a lot to overcome some of these other teams in the Big Ten that have better resumes than they do top to bottom. Um, it's possible i will say that it's possible is it likely i don't think so So you're saying there's a chance. there's a chance um <laughs> one in a million no i i mean i think it's i think it's possible but i don't think 20 wins even that will get them there i think they they need to do a little bit more than that i think if they get to the finals like they did last time they get to the finals of the big 10 tournament that might be enough that yeah, might a it.
0: strong showing in the Big Ten tournament would go a long way. Right. Um, I don't know if winning two games in that is going to be enough, even if they do win four of five down the stretch here. But that would be – if they're able to at least make the finals, that would go a long way. And I think to your point about whether or not they're going to retain Diebler – that if they're able to make the finals, I think that they would have to at least give him a serious consideration. Yeah, you got to talk that. to him. Yeah. I mean,
1: especially, you know, they'll talk to the players. They'll see what they think about him. I mean, Diebler's is really well liked there. Um, yeah. And he's, he's obviously been with the program for a while. Well, so. the, la-
0: the last point I want to make about the game today relative to Diebler. And they pointed this out on the broadcast was they said, one of the first things that Diebler did as coach was, he called all of the players individually to talk to them. And then he called all of their parents to talk to each of their parents. And he stressed how he was doing that because getting them all on the same page and having transparent communication was the most important thing for the stage that they were at after they had just let Holtman go. And you saw that play out today. And I would just compare that to what Holtman was doing in recent seasons where I know the guy was having a sort of pen pal correspondence with not only several members of the media, but also just random Ohio State fans, (laughs) Right. one of whom was my own father. (laughs) Now, when he was doing that, there's no way that Holtman could have anticipated that the son of one of his pen pal buddies would go on to become an esteemed host of one of the most popular Ohio state talk shows on the circuit. Uh-huh. But my point in illustrating that is one of the coaches was more preoccupied with talking to the, and dialoguing with the fans than he was actually communicating with the players as we just saw happen today. Right. So it, it Diebler, I think showed a lot of maturity very, very early on in this and deserves a ton of credit for this win. I think uh, somebody Dan shared with us and that somebody had tweeted, this is the first time since like 1996 or 97 that a coach has defeated an AP top five team in their debut. So, I mean, this was truly a historic win for that guy. And it, it shows you how different, like the results can be when you're actually focused on the right things when you're occupying that role. Yeah. And And I think it's a huge, as much as Diebler deserves a lot of credit for that. I think that that really needs to be weighed against Holtman as well, because what, what the hell was that guy doing talking to my dad in the middle of the season? Like you you got bigger (laughs) things to do, man. Who cares if, who cares if people like you, who Um, cares if people like you, Go do your job correctly. Yeah. No,
1: I'm, I am with you on that. And I think, you know, Jake Dubler's a guy who has been, um, if you look at his profile, you know, interviews that he's given one this is a guy who's been wanting to coach for a long time. He's been wanting to get his shot, uh, at a, you know, a, a big living in
0: the shadow of his sharpshooter brother.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing though, because like, so he's the older of the two. And, uh, so Jake like you know he was a, a student assistant uh, at Valpo uh, for a while and he became an assistant at Valpo for several years before coming on to Ohio State as an assistant in 2019 This is this is something he's been wanting to do for a long time to be a basketball co- uh, head coach it wasn't like you know he had these these dreams of NBA success or whatever I mean, this is a guy who's been wanting to be a coach for a long time and I think it's pretty great that he's going to get this opportunity and I think you know it's not just the fact that He's got what five more regular season games. I, mean, I want to see if this guy can have some juice in the playoffs or the playoffs, the you know, the tournament, uh, both Big Ten and hopefully the NCAA. So good for him. Congratulations to yeah, him. The,
0: the competitive nature of brothers extends to uh professional circles. And if you don't believe me, uh, go ask the guy that just left Michigan. That's
1: right. Yeah. Ask the Harbaughs. Yeah. They uh, yeah.
0: That's absolutely true.
1: Um, Okay. So that's that. I do want to, we've been spending a lot of time on the men's basketball team for once in our lives. Uh, First of all, women's basketball team projected as number one seed in the NCAA tournament in case you were uh, curious about how those guys were doing. They are obviously kicking the crap out of everybody. Continued coach McGuff knows what he's doing. Um, Also want to talk very quickly about the uh, football team. We've got some hires uh, extensions, things like that, uh, Larry uh, Johnson's son, uh, for example, was uh, hired as an analyst. Um, uh, his son Tony uh, also. Tim Walton promoted to assistant coach. Uh, Jim Knowles and Keenan Bailey and Larry Johnson all got uh, contract extensions. But the big news is James Laurinaitis being promoted to linebacking coach. Uh, I think something that a lot of people probably expected, um, but I, I think it's interesting. First of all, James Laurinaitis is a human being, I've uh not directly talk to him but i know several people who are very close to the dude and
0: he's I sat next to him at the blackwell for breakfast once oh, not at the go. same table he was at the table adjacent so <laughs> there you go. That's, that's... that's as much as i've rubbed shoulders
1: well everything that i've ever heard about him is that he's an incredibly solid guy and just intelligent affable uh just a, an awesome all-around guy and uh i you know as far as you know recruiting side of things i think he's gonna actually kill it i mean he's... i think he's the
0: most unheralded linebacker in nfl history to have like multiple seasons with over 100 tackles and, he like, might nobody be... remembers it
1: he's the all-time leading tackler for uh the rams for one for instance that like,
0: that is so crazy in the entire history he, of he does franchise. not get any credit for that at all no
1: he doesn't um another guy who is an all-time leading uh um, uh tackler for his franchise in the nfl is aj hawk who is the all-time leading tackler in Packers history but anyway Gross. yeah i know uh uh but anyway james Laurinaitis. i mean he he brings the same kind of pedigree that brian hartline brought in i i think it still remains to be seen if he is the same kind of coach coaching as again as much as i think He's an awesome person and a great dude and will be amazing on the recruiting trail and be a hit with all the players. Uh, Coaching is teaching and teaching. Isn't like something you can just do. It's a skill that has to be learned and refined. I
0: was hoping you were going to highlight this point. Yeah. And and I don't think a lot of people are making it. And I I thought it was an interesting perspective that you had on it.
1: And the thing is he could be a great, he could be an awesome coach. He could come in and be incredible. But the thing is, is that he's also never been a coach and I know that he's been kind of learning about it and being this, you know, like assistant on the team and whatnot, uh, and, and maybe he comes in and he's fantastic and he's, he's got the chops right away. But, you know, we're talking about a team that's gearing up for a national championship run. I mean, that's the, the chips are fully pull, pushed into the center of the table. And as again, I, I want him to succeed. I think he will eventually be a great coach. He could be immediately a great coach but it's not something as simple as bringing in a former star who had a lot of success in the NFL and saying, well, he'll be a great coach. Cause you don't know that you don't know that. And it's, it's a, something that has to be learned. It's something that you have to refine and get better at. And I, I don't know. I, I, I want to believe that he's going to come in and be just as great as Brian Hartline or even, you know, Walton or whoever, uh, but I need to Bill see it. Davis. Bill, well, that's the thing. Like you don't know, you don't know, you don't know until <laughs> you see it. And um, that's a pretty
0: low bar to, to clear. So I, I, I would think that I would hope he's better than I Bill do Davis. too. And I think he will. My expectations are low. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think he will be, but linebacking is, you know, they kind of regressed a little bit last season and I want to see improvement and, you know, hopefully James Laurinaitis is the guy who can deliver that so I just well I think home run slam dunk hire immediately I, I just want to temper that a little bit and be like we haven't seen him coach yet so let's I think I think new wait.
0: blood is gonna help that like in terms of the improvement we're finally presumably gonna get to see Hicks next year I mean mm-hmm. it was cool having Eichenberg around for as long as he was but We also got to remember
1: huge chunks of the season too. Right.
0: And and probably shouldn't have been playing in the Michigan game in which it looked like he was only really able to tackle with one arm. And at, you know, for at least like the first part of the guy's career in which he was starting, there were a lot of people that were worried like, Oh my goodness, is this just a continuation of the Borland saga in terms of having a, a kind of immobile, running directly into the, the gap, like not even the gaps, but just crashing into the line tackling machine that, you know, Borland was for most of his career. Yeah. But no and lateral he, quickness whatsoever. Or ability right. To and he finally, him. and he had like the biggest game of his career in that Rose bowl that was, you know, video game scoring. So there were going to be plenty of opportunities for him to at least fill up the statue with, I think, which was like 14 tackles and then showed a lot of improvement under Knowles in the first year And last year, I think, you know, did fine, but certainly did not have as a jump off the page year as he did in the first year under Knowles' scheme. But I think that now that we're seeing the young guys that have kind of been studying this more and are going to actually be able to go out and apply what they learned as opposed to learning on the fly in a way that a lot of the existing starters were, I think that most of it is going to come down to less about what impact that Laurinaitis is going to have on them immediately, and it's going to be more of a reflection of these guys have been growing up in Knowles' system now for multiple years, and now's their time to go out and actually implement it, and we're going to see, I think, improvement as a result of that this year. If we don't, I think it's fair to wonder how much of an impact that Laurinaitis actually has uh in the in the early going and it'll be interesting to see how much rope he gets given the the name credibility he presumably has built into this so it's right. it's an interesting direction um that i i think at this point you still could say it goes either because again these it's not like Knowles's scheme is very easy it's extremely complex very varied and it's probably not going to be easy for a guy like Lauren to learn in a way that he can comfortably teach it let alone you know for the players to pick it up and then apply it on the field it takes a lot of reps and years of understanding in order to do that I think that most of the signals that are in place are indicating that there will be improvement and reasons for optimism but I don't think we can write it off as just this guy was one of the best linebackers we've seen at Ohio state. And so this is just going to be a net positive no matter what setting the expectation like that is how you set yourself up to be, you know, a fan that throws a fit every time Ohio state isn't covering the spread against one of their (laughs)
1: opponents. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, And, you know, again, I think, Again, as a human being, as, you know, just straight up dude, I mean, he's fantastic. But I just want to temper expectations just a little bit when it comes to, um, you know, what might result from that. Uh, so anyway, interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, you, you definitely keep some guys in the fold. I mean, assuming, you know, you, you never know people can always leave and get a buyout in their contract if they decide to go to another uh, location. But, you know, promoting, for example, Tim Walton to assistant head coach, I think is an interesting move. Um, Definitely one of those things where you're like, okay, well, we've got this guy who's recruiting at a higher level than basically anybody else in the country, except for like one other guy on our staff. So maybe we should keep him around as much as humanly possible. Um, But I, I think all of the things that they did were, were smart. Uh, going into it. So I think that'll be uh, a good thing to kind of keep an eye on as we go into the next season. Uh, all right. So before we do ask us anything, we just want to remind you that the uh, 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods store at 11Warriors.com, drygoods.11Warriors.com, shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Let's do Ask Us Anything, which you can do by sending us questions to Dubcast at 11Warriors.com. And when we say Ask Us Anything, we truly mean that. Asking us anything is what we like to we like to respond to those things and then tell you anything um so here we go we got some questions here um so uh this is from uh this is from gary and he's talking about chip kelly is chip a good recruiter that should be job number one when coaching at ohio state is that something that matters to you as much as it might matter to gary
0: I feel like they put more of the emphasis for recruiting on their position coaches rather than the assistants so I agree. I'm doesn't really bother me as much especially because heartline is still in the fold mm-hmm. so a lot of the infrastructure is kind of built in at this point so I think it'd probably be even difficult to judge chip Kelly on recruiting success that he may or may not have going forward um, I don't know enough about his track record at UCLA or Oregon even to really make a call on that I mean especially because Oregon it's it's another situation where it's like kind of built in it's not like they stopped getting recruits after Chip Kelly left I mean they've still (laughs) continued to do well and they're a very very attractive destination for players to want to go spend their college years so it's it's difficult to say I don't know how you can look at what he offers and the credentials he has and weigh those against him as a recruiter so unless there's like you know some weird personal stories out there like the one they used to tell about harbaugh dragging his cleats across like the hardwood floors of recruits <laughs> when he would go and visit them i i don't see how he can be viewed as like a a bad recruiter I'm not going to go out of my way to say like he's great he's an elite asset for acquiring talent for this team you can't say that either but most of the infrastructure for attracting high level talent is already built in place here to where it's not like Chip Kelly eh, it's not like Chip Kelly is going to sour that in any way shape or form presumably so
1: yeah it's it's
0: too early to make that call but nothing to freak out about either I don't think
1: uh I am I am in agreement with that I, I don't think he's going to be like this power recruiter but I think his name and hopefully the results will kind of speak for themselves and yeah he'll go on recruiting trips to like the big targets and whatnot but I do agree that the positional coaches are the guys who are doing most it of might get work. less
0: players from Pennsylvania or at least the ones that are Eagles fans
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah that's also true um
0: no Wait, more Kyle McCords, though.
1: No. Well, you know what? Like, the thing is, a lot of it is, so yes, the guys, when they get recruited, the relationships that they form most closely are their positional coaches. And they want to they, they have that tight relationship there. And then I think with the coordinators, they want to see guys who are going to get them into the NFL. And if Chip Kelly comes in and he designs, let's say, like for Jenkins and, and Henderson, uh, this insane rushing attack, right? That, um, you know, both of these guys get over a thousand yards, which is not unheard of in Ohio State history. And they, you know, they win a ton of games. They look dominant. You're going to look at guys who go, I don't know who this Chip Kelly dude is. He looks like kind of a jerk and doesn't want to talk to me or whatever, but he's going to make me millions of dollars. That's like, that means something to guys. And I think that has enough cachet to cover any kind of, def- you know, perceived deficiencies. Uh, That he might have as a recruiter. So I think that's really interesting. It's a good question because um, it it does matter uh, like a ton, especially with the portal and NIO and all that kind of stuff. But I I don't think that it's going to be some kind of detriment or, you know, like an albatross around anybody's neck. He's not a a hugely active recruiter, but that's fine in the position that he's in right now. Um, All
0: right. I will say, even though you're optimistic about what he's going to do for both Travion and Judkins. a lot of that success is going to hinge on what improvement we see from the offensive line. And that's that's not, that's not necessarily something that's up to him given again, that's a lot of um, I mean, further down the line. Sure. But in terms of the immediate success of this team next season, he's going to have to work with what he's got and we know that what he's got at least needs to improve from what we saw last season, but particularly in the bowl game right. and against Michigan. So it's uh, you know it remains to be seen. I I don't honestly I think it would be totally insane if they were to have two thousand yard backs, and I really don't see. I I it's difficult for me to see that happening given this is a team that has relied so much on the success of its receivers in recent years. Like it's probably more realistic. We get two thousand yard receivers and thousand yard rushers next year. I right? would be
1: fine with either. Um all right, so real quick, this is <laughs> this is from Matt who says, uh, hi Johnny and George. And I'll kind of uh summarize this is a long, long uh email, but I appreciate it, Matt. Uh but he says, uh long time listener, uh first episode I ever caught was when uh <laughs> I Luke Luke uh was my uh co-host wow. at the time. So uh, Luke Zimmerman, not Luke Fickle, uh, but around the the Luke Fickle time period, uh, when we interviewed Spencer Hall, when the Urban Meyer uh, hire was announced. So Matt, you've been listening for a long time. And I gotta say, props to you, dude. I that's that's fantastic. Uh, he said that was a great episode that got me hooked and dangerously close to becoming a teenager soon, if men- memory serves me correctly. That is true. Uh, which got me thinking, Johnny. Have you ever considered some form of celebratory uh, celebratory dubcast episode with memorable segmented cutups to show off your staying power? Uh, here's the thing.
0: You don't need no clip shows around here. Come on.
1: Well, so we're actually I we have gone through several hosting um, uh, platforms and many different like revamps of our, our episode numbering system, but we're closing in on something like, I mean, well, number numerically, we're closing on 500 episodes. We've done more than 500 episodes. We're
0: about 40 episodes away from 500.
1: So I might do something like that. um, uh, 499. Yeah, that's right for four and then i'm quitting the best of johnny and then i'm quitting i'm just leaving i'm not even doing 500 uh but so anyway matt offered us some suggestions for something like that so the urban meyer podcast with luke and spencer hall something from the sarah hardy era we had a running gag with uh when sarah and i were doing it where we had this devoted listener who um would write in and talk about like her love life like she she wanted relationship advice and which is funny because like I am an idiot. I mean, I'm married. doctor, That's right. And so it was kind of a running gag that we did, which I thought was really funny. Um, Uh, the championship podcast with Michael Citro. That was pretty fun. Uh, the game. Yeah. We did a lot of game of Thrones chat with Bo Bishop and then uh, a super cut of every time Andy referred to his wife as the stunning Mrs. Vance. I don't think we have time for an eight hour podcast. so that I'll maybe just include a few of those. Um, Uh, but anyway, here's an actual question for Matt. Could you celebrate on, or elaborate, I guess, wait, could could you celebrate an Ohio state championship season? Uh, that was mired in as much controversy as Michigan had this season. In other words, if Ohio state goes out and wins a national championship next season, but, uh, you know, there's all kinds of like controversy, like legit controversy that's dogging the team. Could we celebrate that?
0: Yeah, I would, but I would do it with the understanding that it's not going to be a, a respected result, which is not the case at all. The cognitive dissonance that Michigan fans have right now towards all of it is just it 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 sucks. And it's why it was so important for Ohio State to win the game this year to shut down the potential for that. Yeah. Because the it was too easy for everybody else to see Ohio State is kind of the last line of defense. And history is written by the winners. So
1: it's almost better if all of this stuff had come out after the national championship, because then it would have like completely tainted. You know what I'm saying? Like in lieu of Ohio maybe, State beating Michigan, I think it actually would have been It's tough to say.
0: Yeah, I, I can understand that. I, I think it's tough to say. But the fa- but the but fa- I here's the thing, though. I think nationally, the, this is the least respected national champion I've ever seen oh, in yeah. my lifetime. And that's from, you know, not just me speaking as (laughs) an Ohio State fan. Ohio
1: State in 2002, but yeah.
0: Well, I I well, I listen, I was in 3rd grade when that happened, okay. so it's tough for me to say. Fair I mean, the, I f- I feel like that team should be very respected because Miami be, was Miami really was a, a, a powerhouse. You're they right. have won what? Two of the last 3 and You're they were written wrong. off as going to win that one. You're not
1: wrong, but the narrative after that was uh the Oh, they guys. got bailed out by the penalty. Out. They got bailed out by the penalty. They were lucky the entire year. They didn't deserve to be there and if you know, Miami had played them 10 more times they would have won 10 times like ohio state that and again i agree with you that team absolutely should be respected more you just look at their defense alone and the kind of guys who got drafted in the nfl and the kind of careers that they had i mean that was a sick team but that didn't matter because the narrative after the season well but that that's my point
0: with why I would say like, yeah, if Ohio state won a title under the circumstances that Michigan did this year, I would be doing it with the understanding that they're not going to be respected because it's already baked in based on how we saw them treated and what the, I mean, you know, ESPN and the U part two, they did that entire, they they dedicated that whole section to the documentary about being, that wasn't a penalty. And it's like, "Mm, well, it was on the field and it still says that they're the Ohio state won the national yeah, championship Yeah, where's so, your where's your trophy right. if that's true revisionist history the- isn't doing a damn thing for you there <laughs> right. whereas I, M- michigan i mean they're, they they called themselves america's team yeah i think you're Are need you kidding to, nobody you in just, america likes them
1: i think if you need if you're going to win that game you know, and you're going to have that kind of year. I think the answer is is that you just need to embrace the villain role and not pretend like you're, you know, the victims, which they did the entire. Like, right. oh, poor little Michigan. It's no, no, no. hail
0: to the victims, valiant. Yeah, you've. That's gotta, what they are.
1: You've got to, you've got to embrace it. You've got to be the. You're villain. an
0: Ohio State fan. You know you're nationally hated already. So what right. difference does it make?
1: Right, and that's and actually, and that's why I think a fan base like Ohio State is much better equipped to handle a season like that than like Michigan, which we are think-
0: mired in controversy. All- the time that's right
1: well and that was my i think that's the best thing i wrote about this whole stupid thing is that michigan evolved into the program that they always wanted to be and to emulate but never had the stones to do it which is ohio state and when they finally did they didn't they didn't like look in themselves in the mirror they still wanted to be you know the the michigan man they still wanted to be the harvard of the west and they could the
0: team the team the team
1: that's right and they couldn't fully embrace that's right they couldn't fully embrace their villain role and it's it's you know anyway interesting question though i appreciate it and i hope it you know if ohio state i would take a championship under those circumstances i don't care <laughs> I, give, I give it to yeah, Ohio state. i would too i know right that's what i'm saying all right uh this is from kevin he just says simply i'm worried about the offensive line are you yeah a little bit i yeah, you know we just
0: talked about it relative to you know chip kelly you bring in a
1: guy who who has like a hundred terrible snaps against Michigan from Alabama and that's your big recruiting win. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit, yeah, I I think, and it's fair to talk about. And as we get closer to the season, as we go through spring, it's going to be a major storyline because you've got all these other weapons. Are they going to stay upright long enough to actually be effective? And that comes down to, the offensive line it's a great question and
0: hinsman who actually had one of the better seasons along the offensive line and then got unceremoniously benched for the bowl game that's due right. to that podcast appearance i mean where where are the, i think they said they're going to move him to guard is that because you know that's i mean or are they going to move the center they just got to guard it's yeah. like they there's some reshuffling they have to do and there's not nearly as many people as optimistic about rosen as there were like you know when he first got here two seasons ago i think so so we'll see how that goes. has he been here one year or two years now not positive off the top of my head
1: but to your point though i mean it is they've got they've got some things to figure out and we'll see how they do that going through the spring uh this is from a good friend alvin what is the last song you sang in the shower are you a shower singer do you, do you build them out I, I had
0: a lead in um in a musical in high school oh, so good for yeah you. I, I cool what I, musical wait 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 sing. what musical uh all shook up oh okay i don't know what i've got so a not bunch, heard of, of, elvis, that, to look bunch it of elvis stuff that makes sense like blue suede shoes and stuff i okay. can't remember what song i sang but yeah that's cool I was
1: there good for you
0: I, I I do pretty well at karaoke, too, when I'm, not, I'm, when I'm called upon. All right.
1: I'm not a singer, but sometimes I'll do a, a little double one down to Georgia when it comes to...
0: I sang that song on a cruise ship at karaoke when I was a kid. <laughs> That there is you. so funny that you would say oh, that you sing that song. It's a classic. It's a classic song for guys who uh, Johnny, you're rousing up your bow right. and play that fiddle hard. Guy's that's why Johnny. you sing it because Johnny's in the exactly song. Exactly
1: right. It's a classic song. So Hells
0: broke out. loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards. The last song
1: I sing in the shower. You know what? I don't. I, it would probably be something like that. Probably some kind of like karaoke. You know what I mean? Like some karaoke standard, something like
0: that. That's a weird sour, shower singing song, though. Oh, but the acoustics... because you know? like Half a, of it, is, ta- half of it fire, is talking.
1: Fire flew from his fingertips as he rossed right. up his
0: mouth. <laughs> like, he pulled you're the across the hair streams hair. and
1: it made an evil hiss. What <laughs> are you singing that And demons joined in the and
0: shower. it sounded Why are you singing that in the shower? I'm telling you, the
1: the acoustics are perfect for it. Uh, last um, one because we got, I, oh, wait, no, answer the question. Sorry, I forgot.
0: Go ahead. I, on uh, well, what a thrill <laughs> with darkness and silence through the night. What a thrill!
1: <laughs> All right, uh, real quick so, uh, we're, we're running out of time, but I want to make sure Joshua F gets this. Uh, do you like taking time on intensive personal side projects independent of your professional workload, either at home or with a hobby you have? If so, what's the last project you work on or completed, George? You uh, follow,
0: at, follow at MMA Racks on Twitter because I go. went seven for seven on UFC 298 bets and like I'm what like 63% ROI for this year and finished last year, 33%. So yeah, I'd say I put a little time into my side hustle and, you know, I'm pretty good at it. So follow at MMA Racks on Twitter and subscribe because you happen to be listening to the best MMA better in the world right now
1: standard standard caveats about betting apply uh i am not (laughs) the the dubcast is not a legitimate source of betting information nor uh i don't what's the other stuff we have what's the um 1-800 gambler uh
0: well, you only need to call that number if you're not good at it or have a problem. Wait, okay, okay. Well, we were talking about the Simpsons before this, and what was that line? Krusty's That's, lawyer told him,
1: "Yeah, it's the finest thing you can do if you're good at it." And
0: um, I'm a reflection of that, so don't right. call the number unless your name is Arch Leister.
1: <laughs> well, he's got he's got other problems. Uh, this is my side hustle. I, you know, I have a full time, you know, forty hour a week job that I do outside of you know, Eleven Warrior stuff. So this is. Uh, this is in addition to that, all the hours and the time that I put into writing and recording and all that, that's, that's an addition to all of, all of this that you see All right, real quick. Cause we're running short out of time. I do want to mention briefly uh, hockey in Columbus, women's hockey dominating again. Uh, they've locked up their conference, which is not like the big 10. It's it's uh, it's, it's the uh, WCHA um, number one ranked in the country. I want another national title. They were runners up last year after Having won the previous season, uh, I want to see another one here. Uh, Nadia Musrall is, is maybe the uh, pretty good claim to being the best coach overall, like pound for pound uh, in the Ohio State Athletic Department. Kind of incredible what she's able to do, although I would say that we might have a relative of a staff member who could also be pretty high up there. Um Anyway, the other thing I want to talk about just briefly, and, and we can maybe get into the particulars of this as we get closer. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets are going to play the Detroit Red Wings in Ohio Stadium in March. I think March first of 2025. That's going to be sick. So uh, that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Visit first Ohio Battery. Uh, for any coverage about that, but I'm excited about that. That's going to be a hot
0: ticket. I guarantee it's going to be like a little bit too warm for outdoor ice in Columbus that day when it happens, because that's how it always goes with these outdoor hockey. It's going to be like 70
1: degrees. <laughs> <laughs> I will it's say, Jason Priestus.
0: Jason made the interesting point off of this news that it's going to be pretty funny when it's the first time ever that Michigan fans are dressed in red and Ohio State fans are dressed in blue inside of Ohio do- Stadium.
1: No, they have to rectify that. They're going to have to do some kind of like crazy alt uniforms. Some colorways. Like the yeah, they're going to have to do something because that's going to be really awkward. I don't know. Well, that I red,
0: you got that. red in the blue jackets, so you like they've yeah. got red trims, so you might be able to flip it for that. Problem is the Red Wings, I mean, it's baked into the name. That's true. Which, you know, oh, those poor Michigan people are going to have to wear scarlet in Ohio for I mean, I you guess- know, a day.
1: I guess I understand why they did. I mean, you want to have a Michigan team in Ohio, you know, that's what you got to do. They
0: got to pay tribute.
1: They got to pay tribute, but I just, I don't know, maybe they can wear Michigan and Ohio state uniforms. That would actually be kind of sick. I think that would be kind of cool if they could pull that off. Um, but I'm excited for it. I, I know there was a lot of like, talk about trying to get that in motion and you know, Oh, how can we like weatherproof the stadium, blah, blah, blah. But, um, I just I'm glad it's happening because it's it's a cool idea and I think it's going to turn out a ton of people I think Yeah, I'm
0: not I'm not a big hockey person but I'm sure our uh, co-workers on the other side of the family tree at First Ohio Battery are super stoked about this. Yeah. So
1: Well, and it, it just in general, I mean, think about the timing like March 1st, there's not a ton of competition going on I mean, you got Ohio State men's basketball. Wait, it's but on
0: March 1st they're doing March this. 1st? There's yeah. no way that it's going to be cold enough for ice.
1: Well, they're gonna. No I mean, what they're gonna way. do is they're gonna they're gonna have a self sustaining kind of ice thing. It's not like it's just gonna be like.
0: Cold. Dude, I remember when the Blackhawks were doing this in Chicago, and they had this problem when it was like the second outdoor game ever years ago. Like it, this, you gotta do this in like the heart of winter when you know you're not gonna have to be reinforcing the ice. This is a, uh, this is suspect timing. I gotta be honest. We'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, that's what I said. It might be like 70 degrees outside. So we'll see what kind of crazy technology that they're able to do. But um, yeah, I ultimately, I think it's a cool idea. And I think there's going to be a huge turnout. Hockey in Columbus is a sport that's growing really strongly and um, I'm excited to see it. So it's pretty cool. All right. So that is the Dubcast for this week. Um, all kinds of stuff that we were able to talk about. I'm glad we got you know a positive result um, out of the men's basketball team. It's awesome to see women's hockey. Oh, and real, real more. quick,
0: all yeah. the because Ted Carter pointed it out. The Ohio State athletics, like in across the board, swept the weekend, which according to Ted Carter is like an extremely rare feat for any athletic program. So while we're lauding women's hockey and the men's team, I think we need to. Give a shout-out to all of Ohio State Athletics for representing the brand all this weekend.
1: Yeah, tennis, all kinds of other stuff going on, too. Uh, Great showings from all of these teams uh, from Ohio State. It's, you know, Ohio sports, you don't get a ton of that. I didn't even talk about Hunter Armstrong out there uh, kicking the crap out of people um, at the World Championships and swimming. Um, He's developing into one of the best swimmers in America right now uh Buckeye and uh you know uh, an incredible uh, Swarmer as well so good time to be a Buckeye fan it's a good time to be a Buckeye fan uh <laughs> as of 48 hours ago um so anyway that's the Dubcast uh we'll be back next week to talk about all you know the crazy things happening with Ohio State sports and maybe you know, rumors about coaching searches and all kinds of stuff uh but until then I'm Johnny
0: and I'm George,
1: and we'll see you then